welcome you to our worship service this morning at the Boone Church of Christ. It's exciting to stand here this morning and see this great audience. Um, uh, I think today we're going to have a large number than we've had in recent times. So I'm looking forward to the count. Appreciate you being here this morning. I know we've got a lot of visitors with us today that I've seen come in, and we want you to know you're welcome to meet with us. Any opportunity you have, we enjoy having visitors. So today is a big day for us. A lot of things going on today, and we appreciate all the people that's involved. Look forward to the rest of the day. Let's prepare our minds now to enter into the worship service. One more announcement. I want to please sign the friendship register. Pass it down your uh, aisle. Pass it down your pew so we make sure we got a record of everybody's attendance today. Please do that for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the beautiful morning you blessed us with. We thank you for the opportunity we have to assemble here together to worship you. Father, we're so thankful for this country that we can meet to assemble together each Sunday morning. And Father, we pray that you'd be with us today. We pray your blessings upon all that are here particularly. We pray that, Father, we can grow spiritually from being here today and also become closer together as your people. We pray especially for Ken today as he brings a lesson to us. We pray that we can listen attentively so that we can grow from it. Let us participate in this worship service at the proper times and when we should. Pray for all the others who will be conducting today. And, and Father, we just thank you for all the blessings that we have through you for this congregation. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. The first song we'll be singing this morning is Sing Hallelujah to the Lord, 242. Sing Hallelujah to the Lord. Let's all sing. Sing hallelujah to the Lord. Hallelujah to the Lord. Sing hallelujah to the Lord. Hallelujah. 
by faith. Five sixty. Living by faith. We will sing all three verses, but the third verse is not the same in the book because I couldn't find the right one in the PowerPoint. So. That's awesome. I care not to dare what the morrow may bring in shadow or sunshine or day you bless with on this earth we thank for the opportunity we have again to gather together and spend time in fellowship worshiping you and substance we worship today to do it with the right mindset and the right attitude lord ask to be with our leaders and help them make the decisions that are best for us and please be with all the um bad weather victims that we've had lately god and just help uh, people want to come in help them recover the best they can Help us always to try to remember to put you first in everything we do and to remember all that you have given us to what we should be thankful for. Most of all, we thank you for your son who died on the cross for of our sins. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The invitation song today will be Trust and Obey, 915. The song before Mr. Ken's lesson today will be It Is Well With My Soul. It Is Well With My Soul. 
490. Sing all three verses. Let's all sing. When peace like a chapter 14, verse 31. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? We have a prayer request this morning. This is from Gina Horn. Her mother, Charlene, is scheduled for open-heart surgery tomorrow. That's going to be at Vanderbilt in Nashville. 
So in a few minutes, we're going to pray for her as we have prayed for so many. And two of those people we've been praying for recently, they're here today. One is Lynn Baragona. Look, I mean, seriously, she's right there. You are here, not a figment of my imagination. Wow, Lynn, uh, we're glad you're back. And she has been through just, I guess, a book-worthy saga. But we're praying that she will continue on her trend and have a full recovery. And then I was going to tell you about us praying for Bobby Brazel's recovery, but Bobby's here today, too. So, oh, he, oh he's not. Okay. He'll be here tonight. Okay. Because we thought he had drugged himself upstairs. So, anyway, premature prayer. We'll pray anyway. All right. Thank you for being here, though. And I know maybe some of you have been under the weather. We've had some illness in our family, too. I'm just glad that you're back and that you can be here for our time of worship. Before we start our study together, we're going to pray for these folks. And then we're going to pray that God will bless us in our study today as we undertake a period of worship in our meditation upon God's Word. And then I hope to share something with you today. It really goes along with the framework of our singing this morning. I really appreciate the song selection today. It directs our minds toward faith and being certain that it's well with us. I look forward to that day when all things will be revealed. But until such time as that is a reality, we do have one thing that we hang on to constantly. That is our faith. Let's bow together in our prayer. Our Father, we thank you for the privilege it really is to assemble today. We are mindful of those who have suffered great loss over the course of the last couple of weeks of damages that have come from terrible storms and uh, several in our own area. We're thankful that we have the wherewithal to be able to reach out and help and support some of those areas, but there are just some things that we can't do. We can't touch every individual that's been affected. And so today we just pray that you will fortify their faith in these terrible struggles. We're thankful, Father, that you have heard our prayer in regard to so many. We thank you that Lynn is back here today and... I know that it took a great effort on her part to be here. But Lord, just let that be an encouragement to all of us. And I pray that we will be an encouragement to her. We also pray for Bobby who had surgery this week. We pray he'll have a full recovery. And we're just thankful that he was able to get the attention he needed in a timely fashion. And we're praying for Gina Horn's mother, as she is facing surgery tomorrow. We pray, dear God, that that surgery will be a great success, that it will promote healing in her body, and that she will be back to her normal uh, level of strength uh, very soon. Father, please bless us in 
this time that has been allotted for us to study your word as one body with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. I pray, Lord, that in this time of study that you will help me as a communicator to express some thoughts that I've put together that will help us to reach forward against doubt. I pray, Lord, that you will be with those who hear these things, that they'll be attentive, and that they will find strength and encouragement in the words that you have spoken, the things you've shared with us, the, the strategies that you've given us, so that even when really difficult times come along, that no matter what, we'll still hold on to our faith. I pray, Lord, you'll accomplish really great things through that study today. In Jesus' name, amen. Every single living thing has a point within itself that is a central focus. In fact, the rest of its life kind of wraps around that central point, the pivot point. And I'll give you a simple example of that. That would be a, a tree. You know, a tree, you take the seed and you plant it in the ground. And when that seed begins to do its thing and the tree begins to grow in its infancy, it'll eventually grow into maturity. And actually, we know of trees that have been planted in places in one central location that have been there for hundreds of years. Now, there can be unforeseen things that will take a tree off of its central location, that point about which it exists, about which all of its life is flowing. And I saw a lot of that just this week. Probably you did too. I saw some trees that were this big around or bigger. I, I certainly couldn't have wrapped my arms around them. Hundreds of them that had been toppled over off of their central, central point and many of them crossed roads or whatever. They were cut up, but honestly, whether or not they crossed a road and they were immediately destroyed or whether that is going to wait for a time in the future. The fact is, knocked off of its central place, the place from which it was drawing its strength, its nourishment, its life, death has ensued. For the Christian, our central point, the point about which everything about us is organized, the place from which all of our strength flows is our faith in God. In the book of Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20, Jesus said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. The text that was read for us just a moment ago, 
I know sometimes when our readers see the scripture text that I have for them, they go, oh man, one verse of scripture? But I want to assure you that this verse is the verse that has the power packed in it. Now, I'll give you kind of the surrounding setting. Here is Jesus. He is walking on water. The disciples who are in a boat see him doing that in the midst of a storm, and they are shocked. In fact, another account indicates they thought it was a ghost. Jesus says out to them from the water that he's walking on, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter, of course it was Peter, he says, Lord, if that's you, command me to come out on the water and come to you. And Jesus says, come. And so Peter actually, literally steps out of that boat onto the water and starts walking to Jesus. But then he experiences what the text calls the boisterous wind and he becomes afraid and starts to sink. And he cries out to the Lord, Lord, save me. The text says that immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. But imagine that moment right there. All this is happening around it. He has just been in fear for his life. Jesus has a hold of his hand and here's what he says to Peter. O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? In the moment right there, only just seconds earlier, Peter actually had been walking on the water by faith. But he was overwhelmed with his fear what he saw with his eyes. And as much as he had been experiencing faith, in that moment, he experienced doubt. And he began to sink. I'm, I'm sure even after they all got in the boat, after the storm is over, after they're back on dry land, after they're sitting around just kind of joking about what has happened and how amazing all of that is, I'm sure that Peter was just kicking himself, don't you know? I mean, now he knows how the thing turned out. I know that the Lord was able to save me, just as he said. I could, if, if I had hung in there, I would have been able to walk right over to him. It would have been an amazing, extraordinary example of faith. But man alive, I just messed up. Why did I doubt? You ever had those moments? I mean, you're through the storm. You know how it turned out. It turned out okay. But now as you think back on it, you're like, why? Why did I do that? Whatever the thing was. Why didn't I just stay the course? Why didn't I, why didn't I just fully trust God through that? 
Because now my experience is that God was in it the whole time. God, God saw me through that. It, it was so amazing the way God, and man, I just, I missed it. Listen, when doubts come for you, and by the way, at some point, doubt will come. When doubt comes, what, what do I do? How, how do I get through it? How do I get through it without the regret of saying, I wish I had done this or that? How is it that I'm going to be able to reach forward against doubt? Well, the first thing that I'm going to suggest to us is that we must face our doubt honestly. Now, I say that because I'm pretty sure that there are some people who face doubt dishonestly. And what I mean by that is that they try to, to put forth this idea that they are faithful and in the process of it, they're not really trusting God at all. In fact, probably they are avoiding what God would have wanted them to do and then start doing their own thing and just try to say, well, God did that. But really it was, it was them all along. I'm pretty sure, I'm hoping that we have a room full of people who are not dishonest when they doubt now, you say, Ken, I'm a little bit confused. Can, can we maybe spell out some terms? And I really want to do that because it's important you understand what I'm trying to express here. Let's think about faith for a minute. Here's the kind of faith that's in the mix here. Faith says, I believe that God can and that God will. That is some strong faith. I believe it. And I don't care what I see or what's going on. I know that he can and that he will. Now on the other side of the spectrum is unbelief. Unbelief says God can't and God won't. And I don't care what anybody else thinks or how these highbrow righteous type people come along and try to, try to make me think another way. This is how I really feel about it. I really believe that God is not going to do anything here. Okay. That's not doubt. Doubt is when I say, maybe God can. Maybe God will. Let's think of some examples. One would be a man by the name of John the Baptist. <laughs> John the Baptist. Matthew chapter 11. He is in jail and he is looking at death pretty soon. And now he's thinking about his ministry, all that he had been called to do. And he sends some disciples to Jesus. And here's what he wants to know. Are you the coming one or do we look for another? Now I kind of get it the way he's 
asking this. He's already identified Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But think about how it is that John's work was compared with Jesus. John's job was to prepare the way for the Messiah. And so he was very much convinced that when Jesus had come to be baptized and he had seen the signs which had already been indicated to him would occur, when those things happened, he just checked off his list. But now he's hearing things about Jesus and now he's seeing his own predicament and he might begin to think, well, maybe Jesus is something like me. Maybe he's also a preparer of the way. Is this guy really the Messiah or is he just kind of, in a line and we're all kind of working to that end. So here's what I need to know, Jesus, cousin. Are you him or not? I mean, my time's about up. I'm supposed to prepare the way. Do I keep fighting this or is it all over? And so Jesus says to these disciples of John that has, have come to him and asked these questions, says, you go back and you tell John what it is that you have heard and you have seen. The blind, they see. The lame, they walk. The lepers, they've been cleansed. Those who are deaf, they're able to heal, they're hear. Those who are dead have been risen to life. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not discouraged because of me. John, it's okay. You have doubts. They make sense. You want the evidence. John, here's the evidence. Fortify your faith. Another example would be the man by the name of Thomas. You say, well, that makes sense. Can you talk about doubting Thomas? We know that guy. I mean, he is synonymous with the idea of doubt. John chapter 20. So Jesus has presented himself following his resurrection to all of the disciples, specifically the apostles, except for Thomas. Now, all of those guys are running to Thomas and they say, we have seen the Lord. And Thomas says, whoa, hold on there just a minute. Until I have seen the marks in his hands and touched them with my finger, and unless I put my hand in his side, I will not believe. And it was eight days later. Can you imagine that? Eight days. It wasn't like, okay, so the Lord appeared to him immediately and showed him the facts and everything was cool. No, for eight days. Have you ever been in a situation where you had to wait? I know many of you have. You sit and you wait for lab reports. You've already looked up your symptoms on Google and you have the most rare disease that has ever been discovered in medicine. Somehow or other, you got it. And you're expecting the worst. 
Eight days you have to wait in order to get confirmation. For eight days, all of these disciples, these people that he has run with for three and a half years now, are talking about the amazing presence of Jesus, all the things that he could do. Thomas is just fighting back on that. But he says, I am not going to believe it. No, no, no. Finally, that day arrives. Jesus is in their midst. The door is shut, and Jesus says, peace be to you. And then he turns directly to Thomas. And he says, Thomas, take your finger there and see. See these places in my hands? Take your hand. See this here in my side? Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And then Thomas says, my Lord and my God, I've heard it all week, but now I have the confirmation. I need the facts. Boy, we come off pretty hard on Thomas, don't you think? I mean, why didn't he just accept what those other disciples had seen. They'd already verified that it's Jesus. All of those other guys had handled Jesus. They had spent time with him. They knew it was him. Why would Thomas doubt? Well, in Matthew chapter 24, verses 23 and 24, Jesus told those guys to do exactly that. Jesus said, you know, when I'm resurrected, one of these days, people are going to say, here is the Christ. There, over there. Jesus said, do not believe them because there are going to be false Christs around and they're going to try to deceive the elect. Don't you be one of them. So the disciples had seen Jesus. They had verified it. They say, Thomas, here he is. And Thomas says, you know what? Ring, ding, ding, ding. I remember Jesus saying something about that. Jesus said, don't believe it. And so for eight excruciating days, Thomas is hanging on. Oh, I'm sure he wants to believe, and he has set his heart to believe, but I will still follow the Lord. No matter what, I'm still filled with this doubt contingent upon verification by the truth. And when Jesus presented that truth, my Lord and my God, I love how that goes, don't you? Jesus didn't seek out Thomas and say, well, see, told you so. I mean, seriously, doubting Thomas, doubting Thomas, why didn't you believe all of your friends? These are my disciples, you should... No. Jesus says, Thomas, here's the proof. You check it out. He did and he had confirmation. He had doubt, but he was not faithless. There's this group of people, a group of people, referred to as the Bereans in Acts chapter 17 and verse 11. The text says that those guys received the word that Paul was preaching readily. That is, as he was preaching it, they're just, they're taking it in. But then... When Paul goes home and they go home, 
The scripture also tells us the behind the scenes. It says that they went home and they searched the scriptures. Whether the things that he was saying was so. That is not being faithless. That is having doubt with verification. I want the assurance that what I believe is actually, actually the truth. That is, that is the kind of doubt that, well, it's, it's honest. Now, there is a dishonest kind of doubt. It's the kind of doubt that says, you know what? My doubt isn't fortified with belief. I'm just going to be obstinate. And no matter what facts I see, I'm still going to reject it offhand. That's demonstrated in Paul's statement in Romans chapter 10. Paul said, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. God has over and over and over again shown them the way, but they refuse it. That is not just doubt. That is outright unbelief. At least, at least it is dishonest doubt. A second thing that we're going to do if we're going to reach forward against doubt is that we must embrace our faith powerfully. Okay, embracing faith. Here's something that I can say about our faith. Our faith will powerfully lead us into a situation in our life where we are guilt-free. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing? I have no guilt. I have no, I have no feelings of regret from the past. Here's an example, an example that is supposed to prompt this very thing in us to feel guilt-free because of the faith and the trust that we have in God. It comes from the story of the prodigal son, and it's in the aftermath. Luke chapter 15, verse 24. Here's what the father says about the son who has returned. Here my son was dead, and he is alive. He was lost, and now he's found. Now, that's all I want to say about that. That's the picture of transformation that we're talking about. Now, we can go through the process of that transformation, but right now, I just want us to talk about how faith becomes a powerful vehicle to remove guilt from me. Listen, if I believe what God says about my forgiveness... If, if I have complied, for instance, in obedience to the gospel, if I've had my sins washed away by the blood of Jesus in baptism, then when I rise up out of that water, I am a new creature who has been freed from his past sin. That, that guilt that I feel, that is something that I'm creating. And I would say that that is well nigh unto doubt. I want to believe, and I do in a fashion, believe, yeah, I've had my sins forgiven, but I always have just that little question in the back of my mind. Why? Why? You were dead and you're now alive. 
You were lost and you have been found. You're a new creation. If we believe that we are a new creation, then what is past is gone forever. Let's not live in the past. Let's not dig up the old man of sin. Let's not beat ourselves up for things that we've been forgiven. And let's believe God, okay? Let's believe God. Let's have true faith in God with no doubting that says I've been forgiven of that. It's past. The same thing would be true for the child of God. Who has made a mistake? Who, who has some sin that has crept back into his life? But he has received forgiveness. That is not an ongoing condition. What is ongoing is the continuing washing of the blood of Jesus to take those sins away. And if those sins are gone, let's leave them in the past. Let's don't dredge them back up. We ought to be able, with the power of faith, to live a guilt free life. We also, by the power of faith, ought to be able to drive fear out of our lives. 1 John chapter 5 verse 4, here is the victory that has overcome the world. You know what it is? Our faith. Not our doubting. Our doubting doesn't do it. It is faith in God. I trust God. And by that, by virtue of Jesus, I can overcome all that the world has to offer. It is by the power of faith that, that not only these things are laid aside, but that I actually have access to God himself. I can approach God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, without faith, it's impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He will reward us for our steadfast attention given to him through the power of the faith that we have. No doubting. It is by the power of faith that we can overcome any obstacle, any barrier that is in our way. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning verse 32. And what shall we more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens." Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy." They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth, and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. We are made perfect in our faith based on the exploits of all those who came before us. When they lived their lives according to faith, even if they died in the process they demonstrated to the world that what God says goes. And even if they died a horrible death, 
That was not the end. It was only the beginning of what faith could do for them because that launched them into eternity. We can look back on it just as Peter could look back on his experience, his his quote-unquote failure there in the water as his faith left him and he was filled with doubt. But you and I ought not have those doubts. We can look back and see God time after time after time after time ad nauseum delivering his people from their afflictions. And the greatest example that he gives ultimately, beginning in chapter 12, is Jesus himself. That powerful faith, it can help us overcome any kind of barrier at all. And that that kind of faith also, I'm going to say that it enriches a long life. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21. It's just a description in the midst of some other beautiful things. But the description is this. There is Jacob. Jacob's about to die. He's been on his deathbed. But when the blessings come for Joseph, who is the one that he loves so dearly, who had been taken away from him, whom he had taken up as dead, Now as Jacob is about to die, he rises up off of his deathbed. He is being scotched, just held up so he can stand and give a blessing to the two sons of Joseph. You say, well, kid, okay, yeah, what was the blessing and all that? What I'm going to tell you is that that doesn't really matter. For our discussion today, what did matter was that despite everything, despite all that history, and despite how Jacob feels today as life is leaving his body, he was so so impressed with the way that God had taken Joseph, the son that he had lost, the one he had loved so dearly. He had taken Joseph and had spared the entire family and had now laid out a plan that would affect not just future generations of Jews, but ultimately would be a part of the unfolding plan of God Almighty for the salvation of all men. And he stands at attention, this failing body, and he demonstrates incredible faith as he speaks to those two sons. I just, I love what is demonstrated in the life of those of you who are in the faith and you've been in it a long time. I told you in the past about a woman we used to know, Granny Woods, who was stricken with rheumatoid, rheumatoid arthritis. It took her two hours every morning to get limbered up enough to start her day. But on Sunday, she got up extra early so that she could limber herself up enough to get to the church services. And she would wheel herself down to as close to the front as she could get. And she would transport her frail, aching body out of that wheelchair into a pew. And you could hear the moans and the groans, the agony as she drug herself into that place where she had sat for untold years hearing the gospel preached. 
And I stand there as humble as I could be in the presence of this godly woman, thinking she is only one of so many others, many of which are in this building here even this morning, who despite every pain in their body and every reason to turn their back and stay home, transport themselves here in order to participate in worship to God. And it inspires me. That is the power of faith, not doubt, true and genuine faith. But again, Ken, what, what I'm trying to do, you know, I'm, I'm not that guy or that lady. I struggle, you know, I'm, I'm not that great in my faith. And I, I want to I reach forward against the doubts that I have. You know, how am I, how am I going to do that? I want to say that we must build our faith victoriously. Okay, what do you mean by that? Build your faith. Well, for one thing, I'm just going to kind of go back to what had happened with John the Baptist and Thomas and the Bereans. And I'm going to ask you this simple question. In your period of doubt, is there really any reason? Is, is there really any evidence to suggest that you should doubt God? As Peter stood on that water, everything was cool. If he could have in that moment said, wow, look at me. By faith in Jesus, I stand on this water. He would have never noticed what was going on around him. That's not what he did. And have you done that? Despite the fact that there is no reason in the world to doubt, despite the fact that God has never, never failed you in the past, somehow or other in this moment, you are doubting. Why? Can, can, we, just, can we just examine that for a moment? Can you just ask yourself, is there really any evidence that suggests I ought to doubt God? And if there isn't, then please don't make up something. You know, please, please just go with it. If there's no reason to doubt God, then don't. Just trust Him. If you find yourself doubting, I would suggest it's time to meditate on the Word of God. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Romans 10, 17. In the book of Psalms, the Psalms start off this way. I can imagine them singing this song. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Whoa, wait a minute. There's our illustration from the introduction. Remember, we're talking about central focus of my life. I'm a tree. He says, be like a tree. Have the faith of a tree. Have your central focus. Draw off the rivers in this sense. Draw off the strength of God. You know, let, let that fill you up. Meditate on the Word of God. That could help in times of doubt. In times of doubt, how about worship God? You know, that's what God is seeking 
worshipers. In John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, the time is now coming and, and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Man, I'm telling you what, if we are involved in dedicated true worship to God, then all those doubts are going to dissipate. Did you notice how we sang those songs a moment ago? They just took us to the rafters. Because we are bringing glory and honor to God. And in that moment, I'm just, I'm just filled up with such adoration for God. How in the world in that moment, as I'm kind of up there in those peaks, am I thinking, yeah, but I don't know. I don't know if he can come through on that. I just, what? No. How would that ever happen? Not if we're really intent on worshiping and lifting God up. Let that transform you in that very moment. And let it carry you right through the doors into your day-to-day life. Maybe it is that we need to get to work. Maybe we're just not busy doing anything. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10 says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. So if you find something to do, get busy and, and put all you got into it. Or Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, right? We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What does he want me to be doing? Just sit around in the pew and toss in a check once in a while? That is not what he's called us to do. What he's called us to do is to participate, to get busy in all aspects of our relationship with him. That will keep the doubt at bay, just staying busy. And how about this? How about you assess your friends? It might be that you have doubt in your life because of the people that you associate with. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33 says that evil companions corrupt good habits. Say, so you know what? There was, a, there was a time when, boy, I was very strong in the faith, but I met so-and-so or I've been running with this or that group and now all of a sudden I feel so weak. That is no coincidence. Proverbs 27 verse 17 told us a long time ago that iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. What does that mean? You have become what your friends have contributed to you. You might have started great, but if the circle of friends that you have is not conducive to your relationship with God, then it's likely tearing it down. You need to look long and hard at those people. But the same token, when you have good, godly, faithful friends, they just take you to another level altogether. And I was thinking in this regard about 1 Peter 1 and verse 9. That text says that the end of your faith is the salvation of your souls. That's kind of another way of saying Revelation 2.10, isn't it? Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. The end of your faith is the salvation of your soul. Oh, why am I going to be faithful to God? Well, against everything else, against all that's coming, against all those knocks that I'm receiving, all the, the fiery darts of the wicked one, I'm going to remain faithful to the Lord. And in the end, 
He is absolutely going to save my soul. God has not given us a spirit of fear, you know. He's given us a spirit of power and love and of a a good mind. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7. Have any of you ever ridden across the Lake Pontchartrain Causeway? Oh, I see people of faith. The Lake Pontchartrain Causeway is the longest continuous bridge over water in the world. Now, there are longer bridges But there are no bridges that only span water longer than that bridge. It's nearly 24 miles long. I said you're people of faith because you got on that bridge. What you have to believe when you get on that bridge, whether you consciously think it or not, is that every pillar on this bridge must be grounded in the solid bedrock below. It goes through whatever depth of water is at any particular position and it goes to solid ground, however deep that has to be. Every single pillar. Well, I'll just be honest with you. Over the course of 24 miles, I'm driving along just dum-dum-dum-dum. I'm not thinking about it. I just trust it. I just trust it. God's like that. Our faith in God is like the faith that we have in that bridge. I'm trusting that God is going to be there even when I don't think about him being there. And there is not going to be any place along my travel along that bridge where I'm going to start doubting. Imagine you start having panic attacks at 12 miles. Why would we do that with God? I'm going to start my journey with God, and I am not going to doubt. I have plenty enough examples of folks who did doubt, and it turned out anyway. Why would I ever doubt him now? Maybe you're a child of God. You're in the midst of that. You're struggling. You are doubting. Please let the thoughts that we've gone through today at least intrigue your mind. Think about these things. Restore your ultimate faith in God. Maybe it's been a real struggle. You need people to pray for you or with you. That's what we'll do. We'll take whatever time it requires this morning to pray with you, that your faith will be strengthened. And and I'm going to tell you this, your response is going to benefit somebody else. Maybe you're not a child of God today and you're ready to obey the gospel. There's nothing inspires us more than to see someone commit their life to Jesus Christ. If you believe he's the son of God, you're ready to turn away from your sin in repentance. Confess that faith. Be buried in water this morning. Have your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus. You'll rise up in newness of life. A fresh start. Won't that be great? Why don't you come if you need to while we stand together and sing. When we walk with the Lord.
unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my
unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my
to prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper, we will sing 344, low in the grave. 344. that will give those to you, of course. Raise your hand for them, please. To help prepare our minds this morning, I'd like for you to turn to Luke chapter 22, or we'll be reading from Luke chapter 22. And I'm going to start reading from verse 39. I I chose this set of verses uh, for a couple of reasons. One, because of the lesson we just heard. I'm not saying that Jesus had doubt here, but this was obviously a moment where he's in the garden before he's crucified, which is the moment of worship that we're going to be getting involved in now is remembering that sacrifice. And I'm reading Luke's account because of something special that 
that Luke only records in, in starting in verse 43. So when we get there, pay special attention to that. But the Bible says in verse 39 of Luke 22, he went out and made his way as usual to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he told them, pray that you may not fall into temptation. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and began to pray. Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. Being in anguish, he prayed more fervently. And his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he got up from prayer and came to the disciples, he found them sleeping, exhausted from their grief. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. Just a couple of quick thoughts before we go to God in prayer thanking him for the body and the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice. One thought is just this moment and the sacrifice, not only physically that Jesus made for you and I, but mentally he was human just like all of us. But the other note that maybe I thought was interesting, and it says this, this in the CSB, but also in ESB, same way, they were sleeping because they were exhausted from their grief. You know, I pray we don't spend a lot of minutes on this part of our worship. But that doesn't mean this part of our worship. We should not be exhausted from the thoughts that we are about to have concerning our Lord Jesus and his death. So I hope and pray, and that's what we're going to do together, that as we think about and remember his body that was crucified first and then the blood second, that maybe you'll be exhausted from your thoughts, just like he was this moment before he made the sacrifice for you and I. We'll start with partaking of the bread. Bow with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. Words cannot express our gratitude towards you, of course, at this time, but we offer up this prayer of thanksgiving for the body of Jesus Christ that you, you allowed to come to this earth and be sacrificed for you and I. We're so thankful for this moment to worship you in this way and to remember and to partake of this bread. Please help us all do so in a manner, of course, that is well-pleasing in your sight. It's in Christ's name. Amen.
Let's thank God for the blood that was shed. Dear Heavenly Father, we now, it's time for us to partake of the fruit of the vine that represents the blood that was shed upon that cross. And God, we know the power that's in that blood. And we are so thankful for it. And as same as the bread, we, we want to thank you for this moment and this act of worship that we are giving up to you now. That we can be remindful, we can be mindful of that blood and what it does for us all the time. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we continue our worship this morning, I'll be reading from James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Let us pray. Father, we approach your throne this morning with hearts filled with gratitude Grateful, Father, for all the many blessings of life, for all the spiritual blessings through your Son, Lord Jesus. Father, we pray now as we give a portion that we will do so freely, faithfully, for the work of your kingdom. We pray, Father, that you'll watch over every one of us as we give and that we will be the stewards that you'd have us to be. We love you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This past Wednesday night, 
We gave you an overview of how this congregation is responding to the recent tornado damage and talked specifically about the work that was we had the opportunity to do in Amory. And on behalf of the eldership, I just want to thank you for such a tremendous outpouring of help for that. We had 26 people that went to Amory on Thursday in two different shifts, uh, providing, helping to prepare meals, helping to sort clothes, some going out and help, helping families who had been in houses that had been destroyed to move furniture out to relocate. Uh, it was just a great effort. Then on, on Thursday night, uh, the Prather Catering uh, provided about a little over 500 meals, and the group was there preparing that. The members at Amory were so thankful. They've been working constantly every day, and it was not only the meals that you provided, but it was uh, the fact that you let them have a little bit of rest, and they were just so grateful to this congregation. Not only, some of you were not able to go, but you gave money. And so the outpouring was just a tremendous demonstration of your faith. And the elders, thank you. Again, I want to emphasize that our families are under assault. We look all around us today. We see the disintegration of the family as God would have it. That's why we're having a very special day coming up, April 29th and 30th, a special weekend with Dr. Sam Jones. We have advertisements available in the foyer for you to take to give to your friends and neighbors and loved ones. Uh, our families need strength to fight addictions to porn, to uh, alcohol and drugs. Uh, we need the answers as to how to deal with homosexuality and uh, gender issues that are so prevalent today. Uh, we think about uh, the issues that uh, we're dealing with in regard to anxiety and depression and suicide. And Dr. Sam Jones is gonna be here to present three lessons on Saturday the 29th. Uh, he'll close us out on Sunday morning. And uh, this is just so important for us to get the word out. Some of you have very, very powerful uh, social media presence, uh, teachers and people like that, uh, coaches, you, you need to get the word out to people in the community that this is something that they need. We need to be here ourselves. We need to invite others to come. And I want to emphasize what I did on Wednesday night. Uh, Dr. Jones has uh, told me and assured me that these lessons are appropriate and important for children to hear, that his presentations will be rated G and there'll be nothing inappropriate for children at all. He's not going to go into any kind of uh, graphic details, but he's going to just make a, folks aware of what's going on. And uh, to reiterate what he told me, if we don't talk to our six to eight-year-olds about things like this now, it's going to be too late when they're 12 to 14. So this is something that all of us need to hear. It's a wonderful opportunity to let our light shine in this community. And I want to encourage you to work hard over the next few weeks to invite people to come and be a part of this event. Thank you. Good morning. We've got uh, quite a few announcements, and if you would just uh, be patient with me as I go through these. 
Uh, I would encourage you to get a bulletin if you, if you do not have one. A lot of announcements there that we need to look at. Um, first of all, I just want to say it's good to be here this morning. Amen. And I want to personally thank each of you uh, for your example and your courage, your strength. Uh, it means a lot to me and this whole church, so I thank you. Um, if you notice, my little announcement buddy is not here this morning. <clears throat> and I promised him I'd give him a shout-out. He's homesick. Hey, Jude, we miss you. So there's his shout-out. Lots of last the leaders' events that I'll get to. Before we do that, uh, there was 330 here this morning. I've got a card that I would like to read also. Thank you all for the prayers, cards, calls, and meals that we have received during the past few weeks. I still have a long way to go before I will be totally healed, but with God's help, I'll get there. Please continue praying for my full recovery. This is from Lynn Baragona. Lynn, good to see you. Uh, as we get to our last, the leaders' information, um, lots of events going on. Uh, one note I want to read, during the downtime of the puppet practice, anyone interested in giving their speech will be able to please see Stephen Hodgen or Cameron Jumper. Also, um, members of all five puppet teams need to meet in the annex today following services. They will be practicing all day, so there will be lunch, and other information will be shared about the rest of the day. So if you are a member of the puppet teams, you need to meet in the annex. Also, this note I was handed, since so many may not make it back in time to teach next Sunday night, if you could volunteer to teach a class next Sunday, it would be appreciated. Please text or see Stephen today if you're willing to teach, so he can make sure all classes are covered. In our bulletin, if you will turn there and look, uh, we do have several announcements regarding last the leaders. Everyone is encouraged to come to the annex at 415 today for our last the leaders puppet presentations. Then at five, the evening, uh, excuse me, at five, everyone will be meeting in the auditorium for devotional conducted by our lads, young men. Following the devotional, the ladies will go to the annex for the girls' presentations, and the men will stay in the auditorium for the remainder of the boys' presentations. Also, our yearly lads' pre-convention meeting will be in the auditorium following tonight's service. Everyone who will be going to lads' convention needs to be at this meeting. And then the last of leaders' debate presentations will be given this coming Wednesday night. Everyone will meet in the auditorium at 7 for the devotional. Then the men will remain in the auditorium and ladies will go to the little chapel. Again, there's lots of information. If, uh, if I miss something, I apologize. But if you would, get a bulletin and read over those uh, announcements because there's lots that we need to be sure we know what's going on. Again, thank you for your attendance this morning. Thank you for being here. And uh, Ken, thank you for that lesson. Gibson, wonderful job leading us in song. If you would, bow with me and we'll be dismissed. Our Heavenly Father, we love you so much. 
We thank you, Father, for this time that we could be here this morning. We're so thankful for the message we heard. We're so thankful for these responses. Father, we just want to ask that you would bless these people who've come forward today and just thank you for their courage. Thank you for their strength. Thank you for their example to all of us. Father, we pray that as we go into our week that we would remember this lesson, that we would uh, be strengthened in our faith, that we would remember how much you love us, remember all the promises you make to us. Father, we are, again are mindful of all those who are hurting because of the storms and those who've lost loved ones in the communities. We just pray you would continue to be with each of them. Pray that you would be with us and everyone who can help, uh, that you would... Uh, that blessings would come to them through those who, and their efforts, those who are working. Father, we thank you most of all for your son, Jesus. We're thankful for your love for us, and again, pray that we would remember to focus on him this week, and he would be the center of our lives this week. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.